Welcome to the Translate Your Doctor podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Figures, joined as always with my co-host and co-founder, Dr. Trey Sirtis. Trey, hello. Hello. How are you doing, man? I'm doing just fine. All right. Trey, something that you and I laugh a lot about is this gulf between physicians and patients. And one of the most basic things in any physician-patient relationship is the doctor's visit. Patient calls, they're new in town, they want to establish care with the physician, they show up to the medical appointment, and no one actually tells them exactly what they should be prepared for. We assume if you show up for an annual physical, you should just know what the annual physical is going to be. (laughs) You're an 18-year-old, you've never... You know, you've got 27 other things on your mind. You have no idea what to walk into that annual physical with. And something that happened a lot at Village Health Partners, where, where I um, was the administrator, is it's very common for physicians to get frustrated with patients, bad patients, patients being bad at visited. The joke of the, oh, by the way, patient, the patient that comes in with 17 issues. Now, of course, we, we don't tell the patient what the rule is. I don't know that the average patient knows how to come into a, a physician uh, visit and and to facilitate a good interaction in the physician visit, which is such an important conversation because most of the that relationship is built in that exam room. Most of that relationship is built in that uh, physician visit. And I really don't think we do a very good job in uh, in empowering patients, and that physicians could do a lot better of telling patients how to be good healthcare consumers in that moment. I'll pause there. What, what's your experience been? Challenge me, disagree, agree. What do you think? <laughs> No, I agree completely. If anything, there's just like a train wreck in my mind of all the different ideas that are coming together because there's so much that we could talk about there. But no, I agree. I agree fundamentally, like wholeheartedly that we don't, how would you, but, but, cause I don't think we're advocating neither you or I to have a patient have that background prior to coming into, we'd like them to right? translate doctor is addressing that in a lot of ways, but I don't necessarily expect that of me. So I do think the onus is on the physician or the provider to facilitate that relationship. That's what I would teach. That's what I do teach. That's what I do advocate for, for up and coming physicians and even existent ones. And even myself is just, how do you, how can you facilitate that? Because you speak about that. Oh, by the way thing, which is just basically you've completed your visit as doctor. You feel like slam dunk. I it's I'm 14 minutes. It's, I got, I had 15 minutes. I'm at 14 minutes. I'm leaving the door. I'm putting my hand on the door and they ask you like, what about my chest? It's hurting right here. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And then it turns out, you know, they have a heart attack or something and you have to spend all this time taking care of that. And, and, and that's the joke. I think a lot of doctors talk about is just like, I wish I could just get the, oh, by the way, question at minute one, as opposed to the last minute. But I love the way that you phrased it because think about it. You take your car to the mechanic. You just leave it there. They ask you one question. They're like, what's going on? You're like, it's making a noise. And they're like, okay, well, like you'll pick it up, you know, next week we'll take a look at it and stuff. You like every other broken relationship where you come to somebody to fix something that's going on, you expect that person to kind of like facilitate that whole thing. The doctor relationship though is like, tell me about your thing. And they're like, I, you know. Yeah, I don't know. You know more about this, about this whole thing than I do. I think I mean, you went to medical school. It, it, and it's this, there's a conflict, right, between this transactional, there's a transactional that you, very few people have a relationship with their mm-hmm. mechanic, that's a transactional interaction, but it's similar in that the mechanic has knowledge that you don't. And so you're depending on the mechanic to help you figure out what's going on with the car. And there's this dance that happens with a physician where the, the patient in, knows their body best, but 
from an ignorant perspective, the physician can help interpret those things. You know, my most, yeah, I go into the doctor's office. This happened a year or two ago. And I said, I, doc, I think I have like an ear infection. He's like, what do you mean? I have this, like, I have this intense ear pain. I think I have an ear infection. He's like, okay. He looks in my ear, like ears look fine. And he talks to me some more. He's like, yeah, you're, you're like, you're congested. You need to take a decongestant. It's not, you just have ear pain because you've got all of this blockage happening in your nasal passages. I'm like, oh, okay, great. A perfect example of like, leave it to me. And I'm just going to say, give me an antibiotic for my ear infection, doc. And the physician's like, yeah, just, you just need a decongestant champ. You know, <laughs> the physician is needed to help, you know, interpret, filter what's coming from the patient, the patient's lived experience, but it's a, it's a mess. I worked at the doctor's office and I'm still sure. walking in and I'm not exactly sure like, Hey, I don't want to tell you what it is, but this is what I sure I've got ear pain. But at the same time, it's going to be just as frustrating because it's going to be one of Trey's old like, oh, it's complex and nuanced answers. But like at the same time, literally the thing that is most helpful for many diagnoses for me and any other physician is what's called the history, which is just what the patient tells you. What does the patient tell you? So so let's pause there actually, because I think there's value in the average person understanding to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I'm familiar with this term like soap note. Like mm-hmm. every physician approaches or and maybe not every visit because it gets complicated with all the specialties, but the average patient encounter follows a very consistent flow, right? Yeah. There's, there's a scaffolding for almost all patient encounters so that when one physician is talking to another physician or you're reading their notes or whatever, that there's a relatively standardized way we approach how we present that data. And you've mentioned soap, there's soap notes, which is, it's not going to make as much sense, but subjective, objective assessment and plan. There's APSO notes, which is just putting the assessment and plan first, and then the subjective object. What does that mean? It basically the traditional uh, order would be, what does the patient tell you? What can you measure from the patient? So that's an exam that can be vitals, that can be labs, that can be imaging, that can be culture data, a whole bunch of stuff, stuff that we measure from patients. So subjective is what the patient tells you. Subjective is what the patient tells you. Objective is what can you measure? What can you measure? Assessment is what is your assessment? Patrick's coming in complaining of ear pain. I think it's congestion. That's my assessment. You know, that's, that's what your doctor thought rather about your ear pain. And then what's my plan for that? Patrick, I want you to take a decongestant. Okay, so Patrick told me that his right ear hurt for four days, you know, and that it he thinks it's an infection, but he's not sure. Okay, and then maybe we ask some other questions, not as important we talk about that. Objectively, I did an exam. I looked in his ear. There wasn't an infection there. So I don't think it's infection based on this. And, but I looked in his mouth or I talked to, I asked him other questions, part of the history. And he said, well, yeah, but I've had been having a lot of congestion, you know, cough and stuff. I had like a cold and so on. Uh, and then I looked in his throat and he was all red. So my assessment was, well, I think it's congestion and I don't think it's an ear infection. So my plan is decongestion. That would be the exact order that you would go in. And all specialties do that some more than others based on the kind of specialty they are. But that's the basic overarching scaffolding for how we communicate as doctors. And I assume that part of what makes the, oh, by the way, thing so challenging is that if you've completed the visit, which in your mind is you completed that, that scaffolding for the visit, there's kind of a weird reset that you have to do if someone's trying to, right. to add, a, add a thing. Oh, hold on. There's a separate thing now. Like, okay, well, right. now I have to start back over. Well, we talk about even within this problemless. What are problemless? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. So you came in with just ear pain. Your problem was one thing. 
All right. But what if we had gotten done talking with that, we had a tight, you know, nice bow on it. You're going to take the decongestant. You're going to feel a lot better. And then as you were going, you said, yeah, but you know what? I've been peeing blood for two weeks. And now you're exactly correct. That resets all the way back to the S to go all the way back to the P. And that is much more intense and soundingly scary thing than an ear congestion problem, even an ear infection. That sounds way more concerning. And that's what you always worry about, which is, are they asking me when I have the least amount of time and seemingly mental bandwidth, because patients are piling up now, to address something that was more important than what we spent the entirety of the conversation talking about. But a lot of things impact that. Patients can be scared, can be embarrassed, don't know because they don't know this order. They don't know like what they're supposed to do. They're just answering the questions that you. Yeah. I just walk in, them, you know, so there's a whole said, possible yeah. ear infection. Then I walked <laughs> in and I just go, I don't know. They're, they're going to do something. Right. And there's a, there are a bunch of ways that we teach our medical learners who are becoming doctors, how to get to the most important data, right? To get to the most important history, to ask the right questions, if you will. You don't want them to be too specific, but you also don't want them to be too open because if they are, they can just meander. Because again, the patients don't know, like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And that's the true brilliance of really, really good doctors. They ask exactly the right questions without anchoring, which just basically means that they're trying to lead themselves to a diagnosis they think already exists. And they just want to confirm that diagnosis that can be really dangerous. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so it's an art. It's really is an art uh, to do. It's extremely challenging and patients usually have no idea that that's what's going on. And so there's this funny paradoxical way of approaching it, right? We don't empower patients or educate patients. Patients are ignorant. They come in. Oh, I, what's, oh, by the way, I mean, I for sure did that when I was in my twenties and I, I would just wait and I would save up all my issues and I would go to the doctor and I'd say, oh, well, well, since I'm here. Since I'm here, I'll just mention like all of the, like, oh, I've got this weird, like, look at this mole and I've got this going on. I've got that guy not understanding that the physician's like, Hey, I've got 22 patients to see today, champ. Like I don't have time to sit with you all day to lose, lose. And, and we don't proactively address that physicians complain. Physicians are right to complain. They feel like their time's being wasted or they feel like there's a bait and switch to some extent, right? You called and on my appointment sheet, it says possible ear infection. It doesn't say Patrick, possible ear infection and mole inspection. And he thinks he has ADD. Like it doesn't have, that's not listed here. That's not what I was prepared to talk about. Right. And it, it speaks to a lot of stuff. And I don't pretend to have the solutions for this because it's one of the biggest challenges of outpatient medicine. One of the biggest challenges of any medicine is just like this is the facilitation of information from patient to doctor effective. You know, people can lie to you. People lie to you all the time, like it, all the time. And, but they also just don't know all the time and, or they're telling you the right thing, but it's not what you necessarily want. And you may not know because you're not them. So there's this, this relationship is fraught, even if it can be somewhat smooth. And that is just so, so challenging. But what I'll say is that despite patients not having been told this, I will say that if it, generally speaking, if you have a really, this is why relationships are so important with your patient, because if you're meeting with a patient for the first time, say they're joining your, your, your practice group, you know, and they say like, I want to be seen by you and I want you to be my doctor and stuff. Then a lot of it is expectations setting to be like, this is what I'm here for. And this is what we're going to do today. I do that with my patients all the time. Even if they have multiple complaints, I was like, listen, realistically, we have 20 minutes. 
I will see you again. Like, I will see you again. We can see each other in a month and, and we can talk about those other issues, but I only have time for two. And I really want to make sure we get to the most important two for you. And I hope that's the most important for me, you know, so, but let's give ourselves enough time at the end to be like, in case it isn't the most important one for me that I can talk about that one too. So that patient feels like their issues or at least their core issues got addressed. They were told what their expectations were in terms of, we're not going to talk about the mole today. We're going to talk about the ear infection and the peeing blood. You know, that's what we're going to talk about. And that I feel satisfied at the end being like, thank God I got enough time to talk about the peeing blood because that thing is, that's the scariest thing about all of it. Because the scariest thing doesn't always like, isn't always number one problem for patients, even if it is number one problem for a doctor. So to some extent, I think we've helped uh, our listener here with, be as upfront as possible with what's going on. Mm. Whatever your goal listener is with your visit, tell the physician upfront because that will give your physician the best ability to facilitate a good interaction. Because it's embarrassing, especially if it's something embarrassing or something that you're anxious about. Mm -hmm. It's hard to, to throw that at the physician and for the physician to react in an, in a, in an inelegant way. Dr. McClelland, Michelle, talked about that last week with having a negative interaction with a patient that, oh, by the way, her. And she had an unskillful reaction. That's hard on everyone. She felt mm -hmm. bad about it because she's a wonderful physician. And the mm -hmm. patient probably felt enormously embarrassed because uh, the patient didn't understand what the rules were. And the physician has so much power in that room. I mean, I, I would talk all the time. My most anxious, my most introverted physician would walk into that exam room and it's like they transformed into a whole different person. That's just such a powerful place for the average physician. So our, our listeners are going to lead with what they want, what they need, what their concerns are. What other advice would you give to just the average person? Back to our dinner table conversation where we're sure. teaching people how to be smart healthcare consumers in the exam room. What do you think? I think to have thought about what your expectations are as patients. So for instance, I think being able to say like, my problem is my knee hurts. I expect that after my visit with my doctor, my knee will hurt half as much, okay? So what's, or, what does success look like? Yeah. Like, just like, I think that that's what I'd want. That's at least that I want, because I'll tell you, whenever I hear about pain from patients, like my back hurts, I, I automatically assume, I think that anyone would, that their expectation is for it to go away, for it to be zero to gone. And sometimes that's reasonable. Like I have appendicitis right now. Well, if we fix that problem, you probably aren't going to have that pain, you know, after your surgery or your treatment, right? Like eventually that will go away. But if you have, say, osteoarthritis or arthritis of your knees chronically and stuff like that's likely not to go away. And so setting expectations is really important for the patient, just as it is for the doctor. And so but hearing that, again, you want them to align. That's the thing. You want those things to align. And so if the patient very quickly says, like, you know, I've had knee pain for two weeks, it's in the right knee it really bothers me when I like get up in the morning, you know, they give their all details and you don't have to know everything like that. Cause that's the doctor's job to get those details out. But to say at the end, like, and my goal really is just so that I like, I don't necessarily need the pain to go away, but I'd like to play with my grandkids. They had run around and I feel like I can't run around with them because my knee hurts so bad. Is there anything I can do for that? I don't want it to necessarily go away. I mean, that'd be great if you can do that, but like, I just want to be able to do these things. And this connects me back to, you've talked about shared decision-making before mm -hmm. as this more modern concept of, of helping physicians be less paternalistic and to, to loop the patient in more on the, mm -hmm. on their, how to make decisions on care planning. Well, you can only do that if you have a shared understanding of what the goals are, right? Mm -hmm. The physician saying, Hey, look, I've got imperfect information. I'm, I'm making assumptions about what you want, 
But if you're saying that you never want to have knee pain again, well, I may need to say, look, that, that that's aggressive surgery you're talking about. Right. You know, what I'm addressing is maximum functionality, but you're probably always going to have soreness, stiffness, and you may never ski again. And that open dialogue is really important. And the patient, I think, being open about, yeah, I, I want to be able to ski again, or I want to be able to run marathons again, helps the physician give a, an effective response on how realistic that is, or that might change the treatment plan if the patient wants to be more aggressive. Especially if you don't, that's why I say just beforehand, it doesn't have to be really in depth and all the ways that you, that's not your job, but your job is to be like, what is my expectation? Is that reasonable? And so on, because if it takes you 12 minutes to get there in the patient visit and you leave just a narrow band of time for the physician then to react, just like in any other pressured situation, you increase the chance of an ele inelegant response. And that's putting it mildly sometimes, right? Because just like Dr. McClellan was talking about, she's a wonderful human being and an excellent physician. You put of any person in just the right circumstances of stress, of feeling helpless, like you can't help because now you're hearing from your patient, like that's my expectation is to be cured. And you're like, I can't do that. And I've, I got 30 seconds left and there are two people outside. And that's when you increase the chance of just snapping or and that is in no way excusing that behavior, but it's unnecessary behavior. If you can just back up and, you know, start from the get go. And again, it's not going to be perfect every time there are mean doctors, just like there are mean patients, there are mean nurses, there are mean physicians assistants, you know, they all exist just like there are good people. So this is not like a one size fits all model. However, it is increases the chance that you'll be successful. If you know what success looks like for you, or you have some reasonable expectation, don't anchor to it. Cause what if you anchor it? You're not going to know. What if you anchor and be like, oh, I got cancer. I want it cured. It's like, well, I'm sorry. Like we, we don't have that cure. And then you're disappointed because you've been thinking about that for two weeks. Just have a rough understanding of like what I want. That's why I stick to activities. I'd like to even say getting back to the cancer diagnosis, say you had a terrible cancer is diagnosed. If, and if you came to me and your expectation was, I just want to make it to my daughter's wedding in February. You know, like, that's what I want to do. Doc, is that reasonable? You're like, we can talk about that. But if you're asking me like, can I live for another 20 years? That's, that's tough. That's a really hard conversation yeah. to have, especially if I'm meeting you for the first time or maybe the second time. Do you find that patients feel comfortable like trying to go to that place or? It, it, thousand percent. Oh, thousand percent. Okay. People want to talk about this. Like that's the, that, that's the thing I try and tell my learners all the time is that don't be afraid to talk about these things. If you're afraid to talk about these things, if you're anxious to talk about these things, people sense that. And then they're a little weirded out. You want to talk to them about their sexual history. You want to talk about them about, you know, have they had sexually transmitted infections? How many sexual partners have they had? You want to talk to them about their deep, deepest, darkest fears about their body, you know, and it's not a hundred percent batting average or a thousand batting average, right? Like people are going to be a little bit more resistant and guarded, especially if they're meeting you for the first time. But if you handle it correctly, maturely and pointedly just saying like, I need to know this. I care about this. This is important. 99 times out of a hundred, somebody's going to want to tell you that because they didn't come to you not to be asked. So that's an interesting observation because I think what that also helps as we talk about this idea of finding a good doctor and you've talked mm -hmm. about uh, trying doctors on for size, which I think makes so much sense. If you want to find the right part, the right romantic partner, you might have to date, or you might have to date a couple of different people. What I'm hearing you say too is, Hey, if your physician is more stiff, more leaned out, they're not asking you more invasive questions that might be more comfortable, but that might not be what you need. And that as uncomfortable as it might be, if you have a weight challenge and your physician tries to talk to you about weight, if your physician seems to be really doing the work to try to go to a place that feels less comfortable for you, 
if you feel like they're coming from a good place, even if they're inelegant or unskillful, because sometimes that happens with, with physicians that just don't, aren't the best at, at, at addressing those difficult topics. If it feels like they're doing it because they have their, your best interest at heart, man, maybe that tells you something. And maybe you don't want a physician that's actually trying to make these deep, hey, look, I just came for my physical sure. or I just came to get a form signed off. I'm not here to get like, yeah. you know, put on a couch. Thank you very much. You know, I'm psychoanalyzed. Okay, fine. But for people that want a relationship, and I think that is the question, and you and I talk about this a lot, and this mm -hmm. is part of what we built Translate Your Doctor to facilitate is better mm -hmm. relationships. Mm -hmm. If you really want a good relationship with your doctor, if you want your doctor to be an advocate, then you have to be willing to go to uncomfortable places in these discussions. You have to be willing for your doctor to tell you things that are hard to hear as part of having an effective relationship with someone that by the nature of you walking into that room, to some extent, you're saying, I'm trusting this person's expertise. Right. And if I feel like they're playing straight with me, I need to take what they're telling me seriously. Right. And it feels good. That, that It feels good in the sense that it feels like a release. I, I just, I mean, you, I speak with my oncology colleagues and my palliative care colleagues, right? People who are dealing with very, very sick people. I deal with this in the hospital when people are coming to see me and they are at their sickest. They are going to die in weeks sometimes, days sometimes. And not that this is all the time because death and dying is so complex emotionally and, and, and there's so many other factors at play. But I will tell you that being able to engage with someone and just be like, listen, like this is not a fun thing to talk about, but I'm going to give you the respect to talk to you openly about it. That can go so far. And physicians can offer that, but patients can offer that too by saying like you, you brought up the, the fact of being overweight or obese or something like that. I think everyone who is obese understands that that's unhealthy. I, I think they fundamentally get like, I should lose weight. Like I need to lose weight. And I think that actually that leads to a lot of paralysis a lot of times because people don't know how to address it. And there's a lot of shame tied up with that in our society. So many things. And doctors want to talk to you about it a lot of times, sometimes inelegantly. But I think a majority of doctors want to talk about, it, but they don't want to shame their patients because we get the sense too that it's a shameful thing and that we don't want to make patients feel bad, you know, and just mentioning body weight can make someone feel bad, unfortunately. And so patients have a lot of power there to be like, what about my weight? Is there anything I can do about that? And then I would say most doctors would be like, oh my gosh, yes, let's talk about this. Like we have so many things we could talk about and do. And thank you for like acknowledging it and I don't think there's going to be many doctors who take that moment and be like, I'm so glad you said that because you're gross and disgusting and I can't believe it. I mean, if that person ever said anything like that, like run away from that person screaming, but I would just be shocked if, so if someone said that they're usually going to take that opportunity to be like, wow, like, let's, let's talk about that, you know? So I don't know if that's resonating. Yeah, but. absolutely. Yeah. This is great. So be upfront as be much upfront. as possible with, with what you want to cover during that meeting. Also be as clear as possible around what your goals are with what you're covering. Hey, mm -hmm. I've got a potential ear infection. I'd like it to go away. That's a little silly, but the more, the more nuanced or complex the condition, especially if it's a chronic condition, especially if it's a cancer, there's a really appropriate dialogue to be had around what success looks like for you as the patient. And the physician needs to hear that to best mm -hmm. involve you in that care plan. Mm -hmm. And then we also heard having hard conversations, like yes. sensitive um, conversations. Boundaries, right? Which is as a patient, if if you're really not in a place to discuss certain things, to some extent, you should need to address that up front. Like save your physician, save your boat, self the embarrassment, say, 
Hey, Doc, before we get started, got a weight thing going on. I'm not really interested in discussing that. Just as a heads up, I, I yeah. want to avoid anything uncomfortable here. Boundaries on, and also for the physician standpoint, I think physicians would, could also go a long way to help set boundaries for patients. And our most successful physicians, when they got, oh, by the way, would say, hey, Patrick, I'm unfortunately out of time for this visit. We had such a good discussion. I'm very open to seeing you again, but it is going to be an additional visit. And I hate that for you, but you've, you've got things we need to talk about. And if that takes two visits, it takes two visits. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, let's set up an, an additional time to talk. It's respectful. It doesn't embarrass the patient. Uh, again, the patient doesn't know. I think that's a, a very appropriate way to set boundaries on, on uh, yeah. both ways. I think that's uh, incredibly uh, important. Absolutely. But I would even push on the, my physician colleagues in those moments. And I'm sure that the best of them do this, which is just that when you hear things like that, when you get, oh, by the way, I think that's a good chance to like check yourself to say, I could have done a better job engaging them about their expectations. Like, what could I have done? And I would even say if that was in that moment, it's like, Patrick, you know, we don't have the time. We're going to do this. I apologize for that. This tells me I need to do a better job figuring out what you expect from our visits. And so, you know, you can even give them a little bit of homework, just like, you know what, message me on the portal or something like that about what you explicitly want from the next visit. I promise you will get to that as best as I can. Yeah, that's great. I think that's very well said. Anything else you'd add to this discussion, Trey? You know, how, how can the, uh, our average, how can the listener best get what they need out of a visit? We mentioned those kind of three core uh, areas. Anything else you'd, you'd add before we sign off? I think those three are good. I mean, there's so many, there's so many, but I think that those three are a great place to start. And it all speaks to, again, we can't emphasize this enough, building that relationship. Not everything's going to be fixed, generally speaking, in that first visit. Yours was like simple issues were, and that's, I mean, what a lot of doctors hope for, right? They're just like, God, just please let me get the sore throat, you know, not like just for the next one. Cause mm-hmm. it can be really draining to have a bunch of problems that require a relationship mm-hmm. with people you're just meeting for the first time. Uh, I felt that acutely all the time, it, especially in the hospital. That's like almost my job definition is that I don't know anybody that I'm meeting. I don't have a relationship with anybody that I'm meeting. And they had, they're at some of their like worst moments in their life. And you're, it's exhausting. It's important work, but it's exhausting. So mm-hmm. there's, Anything we can do to help facilitate that relationship be built means that you can get better, I feel like, care out of it. That's great. Well, it's excellent uh, conversation, man. I I think we we hopefully gave the uh, listener some inside baseball, a look at what goes through the mind of a physician and thinking about a medical visit, why visits are so somewhat weird like anything else, high impact, very critical. We don't do a good job in healthcare of empowering and educating the patient coming into that room. Physicians mm-hmm. certainly could do, be doing better, but there's a lot of power with the patient. Again, high controls, this term you and I use a lot, which means the patient has power to advocate for themselves, which is where you and I are focusing so much of our time. So this is a high control situation where the patient does have room to advocate for themselves and, and get more out of that, that interaction. It might require some discomfort. It might require you channeling some difficult dialogues, being upfront about things that, that feels a little awkward at the time. But it sounds like from your perspective, you think the average physician will appreciate that. It, it just having these boundaries and standards set uh, upfront coming into the visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Well, once again, everyone, you can find out more about what Trey and I are doing at translateyourdoctor.com. Like the podcast, find us on YouTube, give us five stars, leave a nice comment. We're sensitive. Don't be mean. We'll keep doing the podcast every week. Every Wednesday, we upload a new episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time.